fear of medical and dental procedures has been largely documented in autistic children and adults alike. Today, we will talk about our family's experience with these phobias and what you can do to help ease your child's medical anxiety. Welcome to Embracing Autism, a podcast for parents of autistic children seeking advice and support while spreading awareness and acceptance of autism spectrum disorder. I'm Leah. And I'm Matt. And each week we will discuss our journey with autism and talk about how to embrace your child's individuality while providing guidance, tips, resources, and sharing our personal stories. This is Embracing Embracing Autism. Autism. We had an interesting week this week because this week we got to bring both of our girls to the dentist and... That was fun. And it kind of sparked our interest in coming back and circling around to the idea of medical and dental phobias. I don't know about you guys out there, but our girls have a pretty significant phobia, especially the oldest one. Right. It kind of, I mean, naturally, I guess, kind of fell into place that we had the dentist appointment and then we're kind of like, okay, what should we talk about this week? And then it was just kind of like, let's talk about this experience. You can see different phobias, different struggles. Um, I mean, we've always mentioned before having like a game plan in place, repetition of whatever that game plan is. And then at the end of the day, when you're at the dentist office, doctor's office, it's kind of like, let's hope everything works because it's game time, basically. (laughs) Yeah, I would say that with our family, this phobia journey really started really early. And I would say with our first child is where we really noticed it. I can think as far back as pretty much when she was first, what you would consider kind of conscious and aware of the world, really like what, one and a half, two? Yeah, I would say not earlier than probably one and a half, because I have memories of when our oldest was six months old. She was thrilled to be at the doctor because she loved the paper that they put on the tables. Because I actually found like old notes that I had written that our oldest was having like a gut laugh because she thought it was hilarious playing with like the paper on the table. She actually liked the doctor earlier than probably like a year and a half, but then I'm not sure if it's the phobia of a strange place. I mean, both of them have gotten shots, so I'm not sure if that's kind of stuck with them because we know that they both have pretty decent memories when it comes to various life events. Yeah, I would definitely say that that's one thing that has kind of stuck around. We've noticed our oldest and now that our youngest is becoming a little bit more verbal, we're realizing that she also, they both have really incredible, vivid memory. And that's really great for some things and not so great for others. And that is not so great when it comes to remembering every excruciatingly awkward, uncomfortable or painful detail to medical appointments. For our oldest, one of the reasons she gets so anxious and worked up about medical appointments is because she can remember so vividly what happened. So it's really hard to kind of distract her from that. We have basically gone through this trial and error process for the last couple of years. We've brought them to a variety of appointments and we've been fine tuning our methods. So we wanted to share with you guys where our kids started and where they are now that we've implemented some of these techniques so that if you out there are listening, also struggle with your kids' medical or dental appointments. Maybe these are some things that you could try out and hopefully it'll help you guys out. We're talking about both the dentist and their primary care pediatrician, at least in my experience. 
I feel like the dentist is more of a challenging battle. And I guess my reason there is there are challenges at the doctor, but the bulk of the doctor is kind of just waiting around for the doctor to actually do the examination. As were the dentist, like you're kind of with like the hygienist, the little mirror and everything. So it seems like the entire process probably lasts longer. So in my opinion, the dentist is probably a little bit more of a struggle than the doctor itself. Not saying that the doctor is easy by any means. There's always potential ground for meltdowns or struggles kind of along the way. So let's go ahead and just dive into some of these experiences we've had. I would say our oldest one is the one who has struggled the most and had the most anxiety when it comes to this. And I remember when we first started bringing her to her therapy sessions for autism back when she first received her diagnosis, we had to go up this elevator and in and it was during COVID lockdown. So they were still doing the fever scanning and like all those tests and they all had masks and gloves and all sorts of things. So one thing to consider in general is that our kids and any young kids right now in this day and age, the last couple of years that they were raised in was a time of really stressful medical anxiety for the entire world. And what parents and adults were feeling in terms of medical anxiety, children can observe and absorb. So by osmosis, essentially, we kind of inadvertently taught our children to become anxious and associate medical stuff like gloves, masks, goggles, all sorts of things with anxiety because we just went through this multi-year global pandemic. So that's one unique factor of it. But it doesn't help that it's also a very sensory invasive experience. So if you think about doctor's appointments and dental appointments, even as a neurotypical person, a neurotypical adult or child, they're not comfortable. People don't like them. It's awkward. It's invasive. It can be painful depending on whether you're getting, you know, a vaccine or if you're getting your teeth cleaned or you're getting jabbed and prodded in all sorts of weird places. And it's just really awkward and uncomfortable for everybody. You can only imagine how that sensation gets multiplied to somebody who has heightened senses. For me, for example, I am very sensitive when it comes to my face. And I actually personally experienced severe anxiety when it came to getting my wisdom teeth taken out. And it wasn't because of the procedure itself. It was because of the anxiety associated with the swelling that would come afterwards. That, to me, felt very claustrophobic. It felt really stressful. And I had like a total meltdown when it came to that. Matt had to like talk me down a couple times. (laughs) Even afterwards, with putting like the gauze in your mouth, the first day or two after, I mean, you still have to deal with like the wash. Even just having like the gauze constantly in your mouth. I don't remember you specifically stating that you were like concerned, but you could just kind of see it in like your face, like you're a little bit more like on edge. I was a hot mess. Let's just be honest. (laughs) Right. But you were kind of a little bit more like panicked, like, okay, like, is everything okay? Like you had it on both sides, the big gauze, but you were like very concerned. I don't know. It it was just kind of an interesting. Yeah. (laughs) It was an absolutely horrible experience for me. I am a very non-easily skittish person. I have no problem with bodily fluids. I worked in the ER as a medical scribe for almost two years. Like I am not at all afraid of medical procedures whatsoever. But there's something about the sensory perception for me of just having stuff in or around my face that just stresses me out like crazy. And so that's something that for me personally, I just couldn't handle it. And it was giving me like insane anxiety. And so I think about things like that. 
And I think about my children when they are going through these procedures. We don't really know because our kids are, they're not nonverbal, but one of them is minimally verbal. And they certainly cannot express how they're feeling or what's causing them pain or anxiety, even though they can speak words. And so we have to see it from that lens and see that if they are freaking out, for lack of a better phrase, during these medical appointments, it's very possible that they're experiencing this sort of sensory overwhelm or this sort of sensory anxiety, and they really just have no better way of expressing it. And so they just panic. Just this past week, us going to the dentist and for what, like the week leading up to the dentist, our oldest kept saying that she didn't want what her teeth polished. Yes. She says she doesn't want her teeth polished specifically. Which I thought was interesting. Not not the, like the little scrapey thing or whatever. It's like she didn't want her teeth polished. And that was what was her her bridge that she did not want to cross. So we kept reassuring her like, okay, we will tell the dentist not to polish her teeth and all this. I had the youngest one with me and you had the oldest one who was saying that she didn't want to polish. But it was interesting because as I was sitting with our youngest, every different thing that the hygienist was doing with her, she kept saying, no polish, no polish, because she had listened to her sister say it. But most importantly, it was every step she thought was the polishing step of it. So it was kind of like, okay, first they were kind of like brushing the teeth a little bit. Then they were rinsing the mouth out. Then they had like the little gauze to kind of get some of the extra toothpaste or whatever out. But every step along the way, she was saying no polish. So it was like she had built up in her mind that that was the big, terrible thing about the dentist. And I guess for the polishing, is that just... It didn't happen. Right. <laughs> the polish, when they say they don't want polish, they mean they don't want the electric buzzing brush right yeah right. so, so th i think they had tried to start with it but she was so nervous they just used like a regular toothbrush for it but that was like the one thing that they were very fixated on for the entire duration leading up to the appointment and then when they realized like oh that didn't even happen they were still fixated on that for some reason so to me it makes complete sense there's a couple things I want to break down here. One of them is what can you do, first of all, if this happens? And then the other thing I'll dive into is why they might be afraid of the polishing, for example. So the first thing I want to target is why we were even at this dentist in the first place. So when we first moved to this area, we moved from out of state. The very first thing that I did, and I recommend all parents do, is look up your local autism group. There's usually one for your local neighborhood area, like your county, or there might be one for your state. If there's not one more local to you, look up the one for your state. And then what I did is actually created one for my local community. Once you're able to find that, you can advertise that in the state group, for example, like you go to Facebook, look up the state and say, hey, how many moms or dads are in this area? And then you create a group based off of that. Those were the moms and dads that were able to give me the information of who the best pediatrician is for autistic kids nearby and where to go to take my kids to the dentist. If it wasn't for that group, I would have brought them somewhere very close and local and would not have found the amazing quality care that we found with our physician and dentist. So that is the number one tip if you're looking for an accommodating dentist. The other thing that I would recommend is to do a walkthrough with your child. So what we did both times is we actually asked the dentist or the doctor if we could bring them in just to see and explore the area beforehand. Some places are more likely to do that than others because it depends because of patient privacy laws. So you can just ask them what their policy is for that. But for the most part, for pediatricians and pediatric facilities, they will do that because they're used to that. Kids have phobias. 
One of the things that one of them recommended is for us to schedule a fake appointment beforehand. And then basically we would come in with our kid, have her walk through the doors, go in and see like the facility, get to touch the chairs, talk to a dentist, maybe even handle some of the equipment. Like they let her handle the little mirrors that they put in your mouth for the teeth cleaning. They let her look at the different flavors of toothpaste, things like that. And they have typically in pediatric facilities, they'll have like a play area too. So easing that. We also let them know more things unique to our kids. Like we told them that our oldest child loved Moana, for example. So the first time we went there, they made sure to have Moana playing on the TV so that she would feel more comfortable. And they also accommodated her with a Moana toothbrush when she came out. So they made sure that they were playing towards her special interests, which really helped too. The most accommodating thing that was amazing, and I would look for if you are shopping around for a dentist, they actually have this special non-threatening looking room that is specifically made for special needs kids who have phobias. It's kind of tucked off in the corner. And when you go in, it just basically looks like a cool little like living room. They don't have any medical chairs. They have like these comfy little couch chairs instead. They have some toys. They have this little stuffed animal with teeth and a little toothbrush where you can like have your kid practice brushing it. And they still have the television in there, but they don't even have like the overhead lights or anything like that. It's basically just a fun area that looks like a play area. And so for our oldest child who had a really intense phobia, that's actually where we went to have her dental cleaning. Correct me if I'm wrong, because I haven't been in the room either time because you've gone with her and I've been with the little one. It seems kind of like a room that didn't have a lot of extra stimulus because there weren't any other people that were in there. It kind of seemed more like a sensory room of sorts where it was more collected and kind of a smaller space versus like our youngest. She was in an open room where there's probably like four or five other dentist chairs in a circle. And then there's multiple TVs going on, multiple people passing through. So it seems like it would be a little bit more stimulating both visually and and just hearing extra sounds and everything. Thankfully, our youngest, she doesn't have as big of a reaction with the sounds that our oldest does. So she's able to be okay with staying focused with what she needs to do in her little chair. And of course, I sit right next to her, so we can kind of (laughs) work as a team there. But I'm guessing that in that room, it is a little bit more peaceful, so she's not too overwhelmed as well, right? Yeah, I think one of the cool things about that room was that it doesn't look or feel like a medical or dental room. So if you have a facility that you're looking into, ask them, do they have this spare room or like a sensory friendly dental experience? We had her kind of sit in my lap instead. So she had her feet on my lap and then the doctor sat on the other chair and then she would kind of rest her head on the doctor's lap. And then instead of having that light overhead, because that was really triggering her, she really did not like those lamps that they hang over to see in your teeth. Instead of using that, the dentist was using the little headlamp, which some kids might find better. She actually still hated the headlamp. And so I further accommodated her by covering her eyes with my hand. And as long as I covered her eyes, she would calm down and be okay. So I'm actually thinking next time around to bring an eye mask. So that's something to consider if your kid has like light sensitivities, maybe bring either sunglasses or an eye mask. But she seemed more phobic about it. So I think for her, an eye mask would work better than the sunglasses. 
she is overstimulated with the lights. Cause I mean, I'm thinking when it's a super bright day outside, she wants to kind of cover her face with like a blanket or anything. I mean, we've had to go out and get multiple sunglasses for her. So at least I know when I'm at the dentist, I have, I have to use my own sunglasses if they're not providing them. Cause I can't stand having bright lights in my, in my face either. So I'm guessing that could be part of it as well as just kind of a lot of stimulus as well. Yeah. So that was one of the things that we tried. And then the other thing is we told her straight up because she kept basically getting really scared about the concept of the polish. And when she says the polish, she means like the mechanical brushing of the teeth. And she really, really did not want to do that. That really was spinning her up. Ha, that's a funny pun, spinning her up. <laughs> <laughs> but um, because I think it's for several reasons. And and this was a I was trying to get to earlier that there is like a anxiety fear component, but there's also this strong sensory component. And one of those is when it comes to that mechanical brush, there's a couple factors going on here when it comes to sensory. One is you're getting a vibration sensation. For anybody who's had a dental cleaning, you will feel when it's on your tooth, you can feel it kind of vibrating in your head. Like you get a little bit of that resonating vibration that goes through your bones. You can kind of feel a little bit of a rattle. So that already is like weird and awkward. And if other people don't feel that, then maybe that's autistic me feeling it, but I certainly feel it. Do you no, feel it? I was smiling because I remember totally ADHD moment for a second. Um, I remember <laughs> as a kid, they used to have like an electric toothbrush, but it used to apparently like play music. Oh yeah. So like as you're brushing, you were able to like listen to music because it's like vibrating in your mouth and like your ears and everything as you're yeah. like, brushing. Our kids would hate that. No, but I, I mean, I never had it, but I was just like, that's such a weird thing. But as you were talking, all I could think about was like the electric toothbrush that's playing like a song in your, your mouth. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's that's like a sensory nightmare for an autistic kid or an autistic adult who is sensitive to that. So that's the one thing that really stood out was the fact that you're using this vibrating electric type of pulse on your teeth. That's already going to send a bunch of kids off. And I know both of my kids, they are not the autistics who like vibration. There's some kids who love it and they love that like vibrating brush. Those kids might like this part, but my kids hate vibration. So that already sets them off. Anything that vibrates in general, they're kind of scared of. The other thing is the toothpaste that they use. When you go to the dentist, they're not using regular toothpaste that we would use at home. It's not like that nice, smooth, creamy toothpaste. It's like this really gritty type of dry toothpaste. Even I find that like a sensory nightmare because it feels like you have like wet sand in your teeth. But... It's ice cream flavored, right? Ugh. I always get mints because I don't like the flavors either. Our youngest picked ice cream flavor and it's like, of course, the gritty ice cream flavored toothpaste. And I'm just like, ooh, okay, you're going to have to deal with that one. <laughs> so. That is not what we had. As kids, all we had was oh, mint and cherry and that was it. Or like mint right. and bubble gum. We did right. not get ice cream flavor. Right. I'm but, curious but, I mean, what that's supposed to taste but like. But I'm sure it still has the same texture. So I mean, it can't be yeah, much better. So yeah, you're right. Your mouth just feels gross so like that constant rushing sensation and of course it's just dry so you don't have like water until like the very end so i mean yeah definitely um our youngest didn't like that at all and it was a bit of a challenge to kind of get her through but thankfully they both do pretty well for the most part with brushing so as long as we're able to convince them that they're just brushing your teeth nothing new just like at home they were okay with it every once in a while she would kind of get shaken up but overall i would say she did okay 
Some of the things to consider there is that sensory aspect. One thing that you can do while you're either waiting for the appointment, because there's a couple points of anxiety, we found that one of them is in the appointment, but another big factor is the anticipation of the appointment. And sometimes the anticipation is the worst part. So that's when we will be walking our kids through like these social stories where we'll tell them the expectations of what's going to happen. First, you're going to go in, then they're going to call your name, you're going to go sit. When you sit, they're going to open your mouth walk them through all these steps. You can either do that with like a dental or medical social story, which you can find on Google pretty much anywhere. But we also did this by showing them episodes of like Daniel Tiger or Katie's Classroom or any other show that's on YouTube, basically, that you can find that do walkthroughs of what to expect in a dental or medical appointment. Now, with the medical appointments, it's a little bit different than the dental appointment. There's a little bit of a different expectation and a slightly different phobia, and we had a slightly different problem there. Well, I think of like the experience at the dentist, it kind of is amped up and then it plateaus because it's like the intensity the entire time with the hygienist. At the pediatrician, it's kind of like up and down because you're in the waiting you're in the waiting room, so nothing's happening. They call you back and then they're kind of alert. Then it's just going through like the wait process, like weighing them in is kind of a challenge for us. And then you're back to waiting longer. So it's kind of up and down. But yeah. We found when we try and reenact situations with them, we have some luck. So like at home, we'll pretend to step on a scale or in some cases, we actually have a a scale that they can step on. And then we pretend to go and listen to their heartbeat, listen to the breathing with the stethoscope and just kind of get them to the idea of like, okay, this is just what the doctor is going to do. But it still seems different from going from practice to game day. It still seems that there's still that intensity where there's kind of like that panic moment. Although we have seen a significant decline in that. Sure. When we are role playing at home, we do use things like our own stethoscope. We still use the toy medical kits. And I think part of the problem is that the toys that we have right now are not realistic. Parents would probably have better luck the more realistic your toys look to the real thing. So we don't get a play stethoscope. We get a real stethoscope because the play one doesn't feel cold when you put it on your chest, whereas the metal one does. So they need to get used to that sensation. So the more realistic the toy is, the more success you'll have with that. The other thing that we would recommend that has worked a little bit for us is to have these kind of sensory kits or like a little sensory bag to help you when you're in those waiting areas. A lot of the anxiety comes from the waiting period. And so one of the tools that we've used is having sensory toys. There's a lot of different things that work for different kids. But as we've mentioned in previous episodes, our youngest in particular is a huge fan of slime. And we can't bring all slimes to these appointments. There's only a couple, specifically the fluffier cloud slimes, because they're less sticky, less of a mess. So that's the one that we bring. And her favorite is actually this strawberry fluffy Japanese cheesecake from Kawaii Slime Company. Check it out. Are you looking for a creative sensory outlet for you or a loved one? Kawaii Slime Company provides a unique array of designer slimes for every special interest you or your child may have. They come in a variety of textures, themes, and colors, but this fluffy Japanese cheesecake is a personal favorite of our child's. It's got just the perfect amount of stick and jiggle while also providing some fine motor skill practice, ideal for the little chef or sensory seeker in your life. Check out the link in the description box below to snag this slime and others. And don't forget to use the discount code AUTISMWISH15 to get 15% off your order today. We find ourselves in a sticky situation. (laughs) 
Womp, womp. And the words of my daughter. <laughs> dad joke. She totally gets yeah. that from me, though. She started saying that all the time. We're like, where does that girl get that sass? And then we from realized you. it was from me. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we have had about a split experience in terms of which one is worse, the dentist or the doctor. And honestly, it feels like they equally don't like either. But we have seen improvements. Definitely our second time around with the dentist went better than the first time. They already knew what to expect at this point. We walked them through the process. And then having that special room really made a difference. And not being forced to use the polish this time around really made a difference. So really being prepared and walking them through the expectations helped a lot. The medical aspect of things is a little bit different. We've made a couple of specific accommodations. Matt, in particular, you've had to make some fun ones. Right. For our oldest, she really doesn't like stepping on the scale. I'm not sure. What woman does? Exactly. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, I mean, the little one will kind of step right up and she's fine. Oldest, not a fan. And honestly, she hasn't been a fan at all. Even when she was younger, like six months old, she, she hated the scale. So the tip there is basically me walking on the scale with her or holding her on the scale and then taking my weight plus her weight and then just weighing me. And then you do a little bit of math and you can find out how much she weighs. So it's fun for her and me because I get to figure out how much I weigh at the doctor every time we go to. It's like a free checkup. <laughs> so that's, that's always fun. Um, so I think that was, I mean, our big tip for that phobia. When we are going into the doctor, we usually judge which one is more phobic. Usually it's the oldest one that's more phobic than the youngest. So what we try to do is kind of judge which would be better. Would it be better for the oldest to go first or the youngest to go first? If it's coming to like there's going to be vaccines required or something like that for school, for example, we usually have the most phobic go first because then she can't really see or doesn't know and can't anticipate. And so that anxiety part can be reduced a little bit because she doesn't know what's coming. It just kind of takes her by surprise. And then because of that, she stresses out less about it. Whereas if you do it the other way around, she would watch and see her sister and then she would freak out the whole time anticipating it. So we kind of do that a little bit strategically. I think those are our two biggest ones that we use other than bribery with ice cream afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) We do always try to give them a reward afterwards, even if they fuss, even if they cry during the appointment, even if they have a meltdown during the appointment. We still go out of our way to reward them afterwards because we want them to know that we are rewarding the fact that they went through this process with us and that we're proud of them for trying, even though we know that it's hard for them. Even if it appears to be unsuccessful, if we got through the appointment and got most of what we needed, like that's fine. That's a success. We don't always do the things that need to be done. Like we have never really been able to fully get her vision test done or her hearing test done because she's always too anxious to get it done. But we still treat it like a success because we have to think about it kind of like how an adult goes through exposure therapy. It's really hard to face an anxiety that is that severe. It's really hard to face a phobia that is that severe. And so each little step forward is actually a giant leap forward in a sense. So we want to make sure that she feels supported and that they both feel like we're proud of them just for showing up because we know how hard it is for them to even literally physically look at the building. I mean, I think progress is progress, but I mean, I, I feel bad at the same time because I'm thinking of even this this past week when we had to go to the dentist, the whole week before she was saying that she was 
didn't want any polish on her teeth. So she didn't want the uh, electric toothbrush. And then even after we left the dentist, it wasn't like it immediately ended where she was no longer scared of it. We were in the drive-thru to get ice cream for her to kind of like celebrate like, hey, you did such a great job. And she was still repeating, no, no polish, no polish, no polish. And it's like, you're done. Like that's all done. And we, we would just kind of keep reminding her like, oh no, the dentist is all done. We're not going back. You're done with the dentist. Like you did a great job, but it was still like kind of like caught in her like memory and her mind where she kept reliving the trauma a little bit. And so, I mean, I feel bad instead of just being able to be like, oh, we did it. It kind of still lingered on for the rest of the day where she was still worried that she was going to have to have the uh, electric toothbrush. It was just kind of telling because it shows how significant some of these minor challenges are and how big they are in their eyes because it's not just half an hour at the dentist. I mean, it's a week plus because they're terrified the entire time leading up. And then even after the dentist appointment, they're still carryover where they're still nervous about it too. So, I mean, it just kind of gives you a different perspective if you're kind of coming from the outside in that it's not just a 30 minute dental exam. It's much longer in their eyes too. I think the biggest mistake that parents can make when it comes to addressing our kids' behaviors at medical offices and dental offices is assume or think that the child can control their reactions or assume that they're just misbehaving because it's very easy as a parent to get frustrated. I mean, believe me, we have two. We have two autistic kids that we are bringing to these appointments at the same time, both of which are phobic both of whom have meltdowns, both of whom require a little bit of manhandling on our part. We totally get the stress and frustration. Like it is not fun having a kid meltdown publicly where everyone's kind of watching and judging. We get that. But at the same time, we have to remember as parents, our kid is struggling right now. They are going through something right now. And this phobia is real. It is like a panic attack. It is visceral. And so we need to step back and be empathetic and try to understand that, hey, this is not easy for them. They really are having a tough time right now. And the best thing that we can do as parents is make sure that we remain calm and focused in those situations. We have to be their calming voice. We have to be the one that is helping them to kind of calm their heart rate, show them to take a deep breath, show them and lead by example that, you know, this is okay. I'm here for you. We're going to do this. We're going to make it through rather than escalate by getting upset or maybe kind of nervous because people are watching. Your kid will read those signals. The more in control we can be, the easier it is for us to help our kids get in control. And you just made me think of something too. I mean, we, we mentioned it probably early season one and season two. If a meltdown happens or they're getting frustrated, upset and making a lot of noise and you're worried about other people looking at you differently as a parent that doesn't have your kid in control that they're misbehaving, like I would just shrug it off. The chances that you're going to see any of those people in the room again, very low. You will probably possibly see the hygienist again. Honestly, I don't know if I would remember our hygienist the next time we come back. So who knows if... <laughs> If it makes any difference one way or the other. And if they remember our kids, okay, then that means that maybe next time they'll be a little bit more prepared. They'll know, okay, I remember this child had a little bit of a uh, struggle when it was coming to brushing their teeth, for example. So they can have that in the back of their mind because they've kind of built a little bit of rapport. I wouldn't worry about any of the other parents or anyone else trying to make judgments. I would just do what you're doing and focus on the one reason that you're there is for the checkup for your child and to make sure that they get through the checkup as easily as possible. There's a whole lot more that we can say 
If you guys are all interested, leave a comment below and let us know because we might end up doing a part two to this if you all want it because there is so much more, especially when it comes to the older autistic kiddos, things like restraint systems and stuff that some facilities use that we have some opinions on. So if you all would like us to talk about that sometime, let us know because unfortunately we are out of time. And so we will have to wrap up this week's episode. I hope you guys got some good information. If you are interested in more about this, let us know in the comments below and we will take a look and perhaps bring this topic back again in the future. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. See you next week. Bye. Bye. This has been the audio from the Embracing Autism podcast live stream series. Please check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash at autism wish to catch these shows live. Otherwise, stick around next week for our next episode. This is Embracing Autism.